It was really interesting and challenging and wild and every adjective that you could imagine to experience working deeply in election administration in 2020 because of how high stakes the year was for democracy and the added challenge of the pandemic. We had one of those wild transformative experiences of being in this sort of triage emergency response mode where we were able to support election departments and learn from them and sort of make breakthroughs out of necessity that has accelerated capabilities of our work by a decade. And we did so much work that I wouldn't have even had the imagination for at the beginning of 2020. Every business, whether or not they realize it, is an idea business. The people at Gray have a long history of creating famously effective ideas. And so, with Gray Matter, we explore the ideas shaping our world. We ask creative minds from all corners of life how they came up with their best ideas. And that's what matters for Gray Matter. On this episode of Gray Matter, we'll discover how to improve a system of government through a system of transparency. And we'll discuss how having the resources to vote is the best way to demonstrate our democracy. Hi, I'm John Petrolis, Worldwide Chief Creative Officer at Gray. This week's idea is a nonpartisan nonprofit called the Center for Tech and Civic Life. We'll chat with Tiana Epps Johnson, the co founder and executive director. We'll hear how Tiana and her co founders went from starting the organization while living in the same house to fighting the front lines of election misinformation. Tiana connected with Gray Matter senior producer, Joey Scarillo, to discuss what it takes to bring our country's voting methods into the 21st century and what inspired Tiana to make this her life's work. Founded in 2014, the Center for Tech and Civic Life, or the CTCL, is based in Chicago, and their data has been accessed over 250 million times by voters in the U.S. through partnerships with local election committees, Google, and Facebook. Tiana is the recipient of the 2020 Skoll Award for Social Entrepreneurship. She was in the inaugural cohort of Obama Foundation Fellows in 2018 and was selected as the Harvard Ash Center Technology and Democracy Fellow in 2015. Very impressive. She has a BA in political science from Stanford University and earned a master's degree in politics and communication from the London School of Economics. This is Tiana Epps Johnson. I founded CTCL um, with two really incredible colleagues a little bit over six years ago. And for us, we were really laser focused on modernizing the U.S. voting experience and really pushing our democracy into the 21st century. Um, And not doing this simply just for the sake of modernization, but to strengthen our voting infrastructure um, we think it's really critically important that we have high-performing election departments um, that allow for more public confidence and trust in our democracy, um, especially um, looking at lessons uh, from 2020. We think it's really critical that we have an election system that's resilient and adaptive to the changing ways that people live. Um, and that at the baseline of that, it's really important that voters are well-informed. So. At CTCL, our mission is around connecting Americans of all stripes with the information that they need to both become and remain civically engaged. And we also work to ensure that um, elections themselves are administered in a way that is more professional and inclusive and secure. And, you know, for us, the thing that's different about our idea or about our approach is that Most organizations who work on improving elections either engage directly with voters 
um, or work to advance policy or to protect voting rights through litigation. Um, we don't do any of those things. Uh, we instead have more of a B2B model where we support civic engagement organizations and local election departments, the folks that are the public servants who are on the front lines of democracy making the actual voting process work, we support them. Um, and through this approach, we've actually been able to improve engagement for tens of millions of voters across all 50 states. That's awesome. So when you were when you were just getting started, um, was there was there an election or was there an event that sort of motivated you to get into this work? Yeah. Um, when I think about sort of part of my origin story of eventually finding my way to founding CTCL, I think back to um, a really important internship I actually had when I was an undergrad. Um, I was studying abroad. I'll put that in quotation marks. Um, I was in college in California, but I uh, was in D.C. in a program in D.C. Um, while most of my friends were studying abroad um, outside of the U.S. And I was placed at the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights. It was in 2006 during the midterm election as part of their voting rights project. And um, the voting rights project during elections runs this national election protection hotline that anyone can call into if they have trouble accessing the ballot or find um, problems at the polls. And when I took the internship and knew that I was working, going to work in this space, I had a lot of sort of preconceptions about the types of things that might be challenges for folks to be able to be voters. Um, but through answering calls on that hotline and working on reports to really understand that election process, what I found was over and over again, people were calling in asking really basic things about how to participate. Where's my polling place? What's going to be on the ballot? How do I get registered? These just really foundational questions about how to be engaged. And it was surprising to me being situated at a place like the Lawyers Committee um, that had all of the resources to support voters in answering these questions, how hard it was actually just to find this information. Um, you know, it, even in 2006, it was like, how is this not online? <laughs> um, and so I really sort of walked away from that um, understanding sort of how fundamental and sort of low-hanging some of the challenges around helping break down barriers to the voting process really could be. So I share that because fast forward um, a few years later, finished up school, finished up grad school, and uh, found myself in D.C. Um, in a job that really catalyzed everything for me. I joined a team um, in October 2010. Uh, a month before that midterm election, I was supposed to be there for uh, just one month. And the team was working on launching the first ever um, open, uh, free, nationwide polling place lookup tool. Um, so someone could put in their address and find out exactly where they went to vote. Um, and this was in partnership at the time with Google um, and the Pew Charitable Trusts. Um, and over the course uh, of uh, sort of by the skin of our teeth, we were able to uh, launch this project uh, right for the midterm election in uh, 2010. And it was this incredible proof of concept. We had over 7 million hits on this data set um, in basically 48 hours um, with people putting their address and finding out where they went to vote. Um, and from there have been just digging deeper and deeper into questions about 
why is it hard in the first place to find this information and then working on that challenge, uh, working on freeing up other types of critical voting information so it's very easy to find online. Um, that pursuit is what, we, what we're up to at CTCL. When was the jump to, I want to start something of my own, I want to you know, work with these co-founders, we want to take this thing to the next level. What was that jump like? Yeah, so um, I was at uh, another nonprofit, as I mentioned. What was supposed to be that a one-month fellowship turned into getting hired full-time. I ended up being there for five years and um, building out a team and a department. Um, And uh, we were really focused on this question of connecting people with voting information. So we had expanded to um, starting this project that we call the Ballot Information Project, where we um, aggregate for the whole country the answers to the candidates and referenda that will be on a ballot. So you can just put in your address and find out exactly who those folks are. We did that for the first time in, in 2012. And um, it was sort of building on that first experiment with polling places. All of a sudden, when we launched that for the 2012 uh, midterm or general election, we had 25 million folks uh, access that data. We're like, we're really onto something. Um, and so as that work that was sort of these experiments to fill information gaps uh, really started to become the sort of critical infrastructure for people to be able to engage in elections, we started to think about, you know, maybe this is something that is a are ideas that need to live independently in their own organization. We also were really at that point starting to, again, sort of dig deeper. Why is it so hard in the first place to find really basic answers about what's on my ballot or where do I go to vote? And that kept bringing us back to this gap. Um, There are these folks, there's 8,000 different offices across the country filled with these incredible public servants whose work it is to actually administer the voting process. Um, But these offices, Uh, historically have been um, really under-resourced and not supported with best practices on how to run an excellent election. Um, And so we thought, hmm, we can keep working on filling these information gaps. But there's also probably something there about digging deeper and working on sort of the systemic challenge of uh, helping these election departments get all of their work in order in the first place. And so as we started to think about, hmm, this is bigger than our initial conception of a few projects. Um, we thought, yeah, there is a, there's a there there. Um, and sort of started dreaming up, spitting off our team into its own organization, which eventually became the Center for Tech and Civic Life. As you're describing a lot of this and, you know, saying that like a lot of this information wasn't digitized until 20, 2006 or 2010 in some cases, like that surprises me, but also doesn't surprise me. But I'm curious, along the way, was there anything that really surprised you about the process or with starting the organization? Oh, man, there's been so many learnings and surprises along the way. I think one for me uh, that was part of my own sort of entrepreneurial journey and learning journey was that I came to this work um, really excited to apply technology to Um, this challenge around democracy. How can we have better tools to make it easier to digitize information and find it online? And I really thought that it was just a technology challenge, that if we could just build the right tech um, and get it in front of folks, then uh, people would have the information that they needed and they would be able to engage more deeply in elections. Um, And that was really naive. It was a really naive sort of place to come in. Um, What I've learned over time is that the tech, is sort of the easy part to build and figure out. 
Um, the challenge is that we have a really decentralized election system where there's these 8,000 different offices that have their own practices on um, how they run elections, how they store data, um, how they publish it. And so it's really an organizing challenge. It's a challenge of how do we bring sense to this really disparate system? Um, how do we do things like standardize information um, so that it's accessible for everybody in equal ways? Um, and how do we raise the sort of bar on what practices are and make those more standard across the whole country so that everyone, regardless of where they live or have a really excellent election experience? Um, there's still really important technological aspects to that. It's a tactic. Um, but for me, I've really shifted in understanding that it's just a tactic. It's not the end itself. Right. It's a piece of the puzzle. It's not the whole thing. Yep. In in building in building something new, right, there are, I'm sure, plenty of challenges. But were there people along the way who really supported you? And um, again, any that surprised you, people that that came out of, you know, you never thought you'd be in contact with or um, just people really close to you that that supported you along the way? Um, so many folks have supported the Center for Tech and Civic Life. Um, when I really reflect on this question, one of the, the folks that sticks out as one of our earliest funders, um, the Democracy Fund, which is an, an awesome foundation in D.C., when myself and my co-founders were back at the nonprofit where we started collaborating and came up with the idea for Center for Tech and Civic Life. Um, we weren't really in a position where we could, you know, just quit our jobs and sort of raise a friends and family round and take some time off and figure out whether or not um, we could um, really pursue this idea and have the transformative impact that we thought was possible. Um, and so our path to founding was we were still working at um, our, our other our other jobs and um, got this really generous grant from the Democracy Fund to sort of a planning grant where they gave us funds just to explore our idea and get some of the initial infrastructure pieces in place. Um, and that made all of the difference for us um, because it gave us um, that sort of initial seed funding um, with the stability of still being at our old, our old job so that folks like us with sort of different backgrounds than um, most funders might have, um, we're able to um, really start from strong footing and start to build an organization that has had staying power. How long was that process, building something and working your day job? Because I know that can be a big struggle for a lot of people. It was, and it was also during, it, this was in 2014, so there was also actively a midterm election, which is again when we're doing our our um, our greatest amount of work. So yeah, it was um, the beginning of 2014 was sort of when I started having stakeholder interviews and asking folks, hey, is this a good idea to take a leap and start our own thing? What are the threats? You know, sort of doing swats with anyone who would talk with me about it. Um, and then I think we got that planning grant uh, maybe in September of 2014 um, we were somehow coincidentally, the incorporation date of CTCL was my birthday, which is in late October. So I never forget the day we were incorporated at Dread. Um, and then we launched publicly, um, in February of 2015 in Chicago. Very cool. Very cool. So one side of the coin are the supporters and the people who have always been in your corner. The other side of the coin are the critics. And I'm sure working and operating out of DC, there were plenty um, but maybe without naming names were, were there critics and like, what were, what, what did they say? 
Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that has been challenging to overcome is sort of making the case for why election infrastructure is an important thing to invest in. There's, uh, when you think about sort of advances in technology, there's so many, like, there's so many cool, flashy tools um, that folks can um, support. Uh, but the work that we're doing is so foundational, but it's so much less sexy. And so um, really making the case about why it's critical has been something where I've had to learn how to communicate about it in a way that's compelling and effective, um, but also really bringing folks along on the journey about why, you know, um, again, sort of those things around, you know, some of the challenges in democracy, the barriers that might look like there are tech problems or really organizing problems or understanding some of the deeper root causes of these things um, have helped us bring people on this journey of understanding why you have to be focused on um, some of these critical infrastructure pieces. But um, it's taken a lot of work to bring people along. I think that the the 2020 election cycle um, was such that I will have to do a lot less of explaining the problem moving forward. Yeah, the problem sort of presented itself uh, very uh, easily. Um, So when going, I guess, sort of going back a little bit to the early days, was there, was there a moment where you, you kind of thought, okay, it's very tense, right? We're, 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 we're building this thing, but was there a moment where you sort of dropped your shoulders and said, I know we're onto something here. I know this is going to be helpful. There's been so many small moments like that, that sort of have crescendoed over time, but there was this point. So Um, When myself and my two founders uh, started CTCL, at at the time we were in D.C., but we decided that it would make a lot of sense to find a new place to really have a fresh start with this organization. So we decided to move to Chicago um, and launch there. And for the first uh, 14 months that we lived in Chicago, we also all lived in the same house because we figured if we weren't going to make it, at least we'd only have to break one lease. Um, and there was that moment where um, we had about six months of runway um, when we started and moved into that apartment in Chicago. There was this moment uh, where we knew that if we could um, really make the case with a couple of funders who said they would back us, um, if we could make the case with them by that beginning of that summer um, and get in their portfolios like we were we were going to make it. Um, and I remember that first commitment that was multi-year um, support for our work um, that came right around the time where we were like, it needs to come or we need to make different decisions. Um, and so there was a piece, there's, there were so many indications that were about the work that we were on the right track the whole time. But that was the piece where it was like this organizational form, the way that we want to do it, like there's, there's something there, there, and, and folks are ready to back us. I think it's clear, but I'm just, I want to hear you say, where did the name come from? How did you come up with that, um, the, the Center for Tech and Civic Life? What does that mean for you? For us, uh, the naming actually was kind of fun for the Center for Tech and Civic Life. We were uh, trying to accomplish a few things. Um, We wanted something that was sort of enduring and captured what the work was. Um, So we are focused on the relationship between uh, technology and civics, um, but didn't want to narrow ourselves in too much into a specific field. We didn't want to be Uh, put civic technology together because we thought maybe that wouldn't be enduring. Um, We also wanted a name 
frankly, that felt like it was established. It was a little bit boring. We work with government um, and, uh, you know, there's a thing, there's a lot of names for new, new organizations where it's like so-and-so lab or something that like describes the freshness and the innovation. And we actually decided to sort of turn away from that and uh, choose a name that like made it, that folks felt comfortable writing a check to that felt like, oh, with, these folks must have been around forever. Um, and so that really influenced also how we chose uh, Center for Tech and Civic Lives. Getting into some of the work that you all do, what is what is like the day-to-day look like and what is the life cycle of the work that you do and does that correspond with elections or is it a very steady stream of working with these local governments? Great question. So we have uh, two main verticals that help us achieve our mission. We have an awesome government services team and their work is working every day to support these local election departments across the country with uh, tools and training around how to run inclusive, secure elections. So some of the greatest hits of that team, they developed out a three-part cybersecurity training on all of the basics from password security to developing out robust plans for an election department um, and protecting all of their different technology. Um, And that training has been adopted by the federal government and made available to all election officials in the country. So it's really become foundational um, around helping build uh, cybersecurity skills and helping election departments be prepared to protect our country from um, any type of cyber attack. Um, That team also uh, helps election departments uh, think about how you can use data and tools to make resource allocation decisions. So things like um, helping election departments use modeling to understand the type, the number of staff and equipment that you might need at a polling place so that you don't end up with lines snaking out of the door. Um, That team also um, in... 2020 uh, really stepped up in an incredible way. Because of the pandemic, there was this intense need for election departments to ramp up their ability to serve voters by mail. Um, And there also were a ton of expenses that election departments were going to incur because they needed things like personal protective equipment and larger spaces to be able to serve voters. Experts estimated that it would cost something like $4 billion to effectively run elections in um, in 2020. But at the end of the day, Congress allocated only about $400 million. Um, and we kept hearing from election officials over and over again that they, like, they needed funds to be able to, to make the election work. And so CTCL was able to Um, raised nearly $400 million um, that we then redistributed to 2,500 election departments across the country last year um, so that they were able to make ends meet and do um, uh, what they needed to do to be able to protect voters and and to serve them safely. Um, So that team, you know, has expanded from helping election departments understand how to do the day-to-day work in the most effective ways possible that are inclusive, that build confidence, um, that allow for smooth operations. Um, But we also have now expanded into making sure that election officials have the actual funding resources that they need to be able to do the work. Um, Because historically, you know, 2020 shed the, it really shed the light on some acute it challenges in an acute way, but they are, were all very long-standing challenges that have existed in our voting system that um, just were exacerbated by the challenges of a pandemic. 
So that's what that team is building relationships with election officials, providing trainings, learning from them, um, and staying grounded in the most pressing needs of both voters and election uh, election departments. The second vertical that we have is around civic data. So how do we make sure that uh, folks have the information that they need to engage um, in elections and to engage civically year-round. And so we have a team that aggregates uh, for the whole country answers to questions like what's on my ballot and who are my elected officials. We standardize that data and then we make it available to different partners that range from small civic engagement organizations to the biggest technology companies in the world. So folks like Google and Facebook build voting information tools on top of um, CTCL data um, to inform their users. Um, And that work has been able to reach uh, folks hundreds of millions of times over the last several election cycles. Wow. Are there there plans to expand, grow? What what does the future look like for CTCL? Our goal is really charting that path for how we can ensure that we have inclusive, secure elections every single election. And the path that we see to making that happen is that piece of supporting those election departments um, and making sure that they have everything that they need to be able to serve the voters in their community. Um, and so we'll just be f- really focused on how we can support folks in all 50 states um, and how we continue to stay grounded in whatever the new most emerging challenges are. You know, we didn't predict that cybersecurity uh, would be one of the biggest things that we worked on before 2016. Certainly didn't think that we would be running a grants program the size of the federal government in 2020. Um, We will just be ready to have sort of the practices in place to be able to continue to respond to whatever is the next biggest challenge so that we can have a system that works for everybody. Big challenges comes with, at least in in my mind, a lot of courage. Where did where did the courage for you as a leader of this organization, where does that courage come from every day to face these very big challenges that are protecting our country's democracy? I think a piece of my courage comes from uh, sort of in my DNA. I really think a lot about my grandma. She lives in Georgia. She's in her 80s. She graduated high school in Little Rock, Arkansas, the year before schools were desegregated. When she was 15, she was with my great-grandma, and my great-grandma wanted to register to vote. At the time, there were poll taxes and, you know, some of the very worst practices keeping Black folks out of the franchise. And my grandma recalls having to go to four different places and be presented with four different forms to try to get my great-grandma registered. She eventually had to reach out to a woman who was the head of the NAACP to actually get it all sorted out. And my great-grandma was able to get registered in about an hour after the NAACP intervened. But I think that I get sort of courage from recognizing that, you know, I'm fourth generation that is working towards making sure that we all can have our voice and participate in a way that lets us deeply express our citizenship and our commitment to this country. Um, And so uh, I think part of my courage comes from wanting sort of four generations from now folks to be on to new adventures. That That's amazing. In building the CTCL and for you and this journey that you've been on, is there anything that you point to that you sort of wish you could have done differently? Anything that, you know, if you could go back to day one and and, and have changed it for a different outcome? Uh, not I'm not talking about election outcomes. I just mean for your journey, is there anything that you wish that you could have done differently or had a different outcome? 
Yeah. Um, one of the things I think about, uh, this is maybe a challenge that other founders uh, could relate to. Uh, I, you know, we started with a really small team, all of our founding team wearing like 10 different hats. And it wasn't until uh, almost four years into having an organization that I really built out an operations team to support uh, myself in my role. So I was doing uh, fundraising and all, you know, sharing our vision, building out strategy and like also doing QuickBooks. And that wasn't a good use of my time. Um, and uh, it took some coaching um, and some reflection to really uh, right size my role and focus on what my biggest value add could be to um, growing CTCL. Um, and it's taken like learning new things about delegating and trusting and all the things that come with, uh, you know, growing an organization and a team that I wish that I would have come around to uh, freeing up some of my capacity a lot sooner because it's transformed how I get to show up every day. Was there ever a moment where you thought I'm, I'm not on the right journey? <laughs> um there are definitely times where I get nostalgic for my first job out of college um, when I got to leave at five o'clock and didn't think about my work again until I got back into the office the next day. Especially in this moment for U.S. democracy, there's really no looking away or turning it off. That can get exhausting. That definitely weighs on me sometimes, but the real counterbalance to that is that I feel so connected to my work and feel such a deep purpose in it. Uh, and and just like increasingly affirmed in the really unique vision that myself and my colleagues bring to improving our democracy, that at the end of the day, that energy sort of helps me enthusiastically recommit to this work over and over again. But yeah, sometimes I wish I could just turn it off at 5 p.m. But yeah, so speaking of the end of the day, um, currently, is there is there a place you go? Is there is there a thing that you do to unwind, clear your head, recenter yourself, you know, something you do somewhere you go. So I'm really fortunate to have a backyard and when it's warm enough, I'm in Chicago, so it's not always warm enough, but when it's warm enough, occasionally I find myself taking a picnic blanket out back, putting it down on the grass and just laying down and looking up at the sky and watching the clouds move. Um, and there's something both about that sun, just like that sweet vitamin D but also that perspective of just like how vast the sky is that just helps to sort of get out of my own head and then get back to it. I'm going to have to try that. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So in this journey, has there been any advice along the way that, that you were given that has just really stuck with you throughout? I had a post-it note um, that I kept on my wall all last year um, as a reminder to myself. And it said, how we work matters, not winning at all costs. Um, and I really think a lot about how we work at CTCL, not just what we're trying to put out in the world. And so for me as a founder, that has meant that I've been both really focused on delivering the impact that we want to see out in the world, but also from the beginning, really focusing also like both time and resources on defining what our values are, building team culture and like really tending to that culture. And I think at the end of the day, things like being curious and inclusive and reflective, which are all part of our organizational culture and, and our values um, are things really focusing on that have made our work so much stronger. 
Um, and we have seen um, the ways that others in the field have started to have um, more collaborative approaches. If you were talking to a room of people who wanted to do the exact same thing that you're doing, what, what advice would you give those people just starting out in a very similar field? Uh, I would encourage folks to come into it deeply curious um, and ready to learn and ask questions and um, to be ready to challenge your own assumptions is one thing that I would really encourage folks to do. Um, there's so much work that has been done to um, work to make our election system more fair and equal. So I would encourage folks to, uh, and there's so many folks that are generous with wanting to share what's happened before, what has worked and what hasn't. Um, and so uh, really digging into that landscape um, and then remembering, uh, always staying connected to the why, um, what drives you. Um, because the work is hard and you have to you f- figure out that right way to stay fueled and to stay in it because it's, at least from my perspective, uh, this is sort of my life's work. I'm in it for the long haul. Um, and so um, it really requires uh, taking care of myself too. That was amazing. Tiana and her team have done so much to update the election systems in our country. Joey, tell me, the CTCL, it has such an audacious task ahead of it. So what drew you to have this conversation with Tiana? Well, I was just stumbling around TED Talks and I saw hers right around the time of the election. I think it was actually just after the election, but I was so impressed by what her and her team had done and what she talked about and all of her accomplishments that I I think before the TED Talk was over, I said, we have to have her on this podcast. Uh, she was just so impressive and such a wonderful person to chat with. And I'm so glad to hear about the work that her and her team are doing. Yeah, I'm glad you did. And they're doing important work. So thank you for that. That was a great conversation. Tell our listeners how they can learn more about Tiana and the Center for Tech and Civic Life. Yes, it's techandciviclife.org. And make sure you spell out the and. There you can dive into everything CTCL, and if you are a local election board, you can sign up for their email of election administration best practices. Uh, They're also on Twitter uh, at HelloCTCL, and if you want to hear more stories about Tiana's work, I recommend checking out her TED Talk. I can't stress enough how much elections matter and how important it is to modernize and simplify this process. That's great. Thanks, Joey. That does it for us this week. The podcast team and I would like to thank Brandon Lorenz. If you'd like to hear how other creators, founders, and inventors thought up their ideas, follow this feed wherever you listen to podcasts and catch up on all past episodes. Feel free to reach out to us with questions and comments on Gray's social channels or our email address, podcast at gray.com. And lastly, tell a friend about our show and help us share these great ideas. Thanks for listening to Gray Matter. Gray Matter is hosted by John Petrulis. Produced by Danielle Hunt and senior producer Joey Scarillo. Mixed by Guy Rosemarin at Gramercy Park Studios with post-production support from Ned Martin and Robin Frank. Additional support by John Jenkinson, Christina Hyde, Gigi Vera, Gabby Piatek, Erica Vander, and Ryan Cunningham. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.